Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm Lead Advisor and Senior Analyst with Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is Annie Bailey. She's an analyst working with Kupinger Coal on emerging technologies. Hi, Annie. Hi, Matthias. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you and the first time with video. So we are improving here as well. So you've brought an interesting topic with you and you, I think this is really an important thing to start with. Um, everybody currently is talking about emerging technologies, of course, but as part of that, many organizations are looking into machine learning and this is far from theory. This is really something many organizations are now looking at to leverage these technologies, these machine learning technologies for their individual business, for improving business processes and for creating really new business models. Um, the question is, um, since this is an emerging technology uh, and we see this skill gap in many areas of IT, I guess that's the same with machine learning as well. There are not that many trained machine learning engineers and technicians and really creative people being capable of using this machine learning technology in a proper way. Um, how can enterprises still use this technology? Are there ways of dealing with that without having to hire expensive people? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so, as you can imagine from other areas of technology where there are fewer people who have that, the necessary skills to put in tools into implementation, that's exactly the same for AI and machine learning. There are people out there who have the knowledge and the skills, but not nearly as many as would be desired. Um, and so that leads to an interesting implementation question. How on earth are enterprises going to get their hands on the technologies with the right amount of knowledge um, to use something like AI and machine learning? So there, first of all, has to be some backup for those experts who are out there. Since there's not enough people to do the work which is being required, um, there has to be some level of support um, so that projects uh, don't require as many um, machine learning developers and engineers, um, and so there's a quicker time to value. So we're looking for this support aspect, but there's another really important aspect which comes into, into play here, which is the diversity of teams and taking a multi-stakeholder approach towards using AI and machine learning for um, public-facing products and services to make sure that every type of person, regardless of age, of gender, of ethnic background, um, all of these um, sensitive areas, we have to make sure that people um, are, uh, that their needs are met equally and that accessibility is still brought through even when decisions are being made with support from AI and machine learning. So to uh, come back to our topic, we need to have a multi-stakeholder team. Um, and that requires people who, of course, are experts in AI and machine learning, but also people who are from different fields. So for example, if you're implementing a project which will go into use in a hospital, then you should consider the end users, so potentially the doctors, the nurses, the intake staff, um, who would be eventually using this model. They should have a say and be able to give their 
um, frontline input into the project as it's being developed so that it better meets the needs. Um, so this requires an approach which brings in many people of many different expertise. Right, exactly. And, th and then the question is really, when we have these diverse teams, so we on the one hand have the the, the subject better expert, the domain know-how within the organization, which is not necessarily AI ML related, but it can be leveraged or needs to be leveraged. And on the other hand, there are these uh, technology experts, that there are these machine learning experts that can transfer this domain know-how into something that is an, a machine learning model, a machine learning approach towards the solution. But still, there is some requirement for, for assistance, for support, for for a service, uh, how could this look like? So exactly, so to bring in uh, these needs of supporting the developers who are on the project and to bring in uh, different types of people with different types of expertise, there's a product which is called AI Service Clouds, or a category of products rather. And this is to, to bring detailed developer control to the AI and machine learning development process and to these experts. But it also abstracts away some of the complexity so that different subject matter experts can weigh in. Okay, but that, that sounds like a really a new type of offering, a new type of service, a product. Um, and you said it's an, an, an AI service cloud. Um, how can I imagine, how can, should, I, should I think of something like that? How does that look like in, in reality? Mm -hmm. So it's, it encompasses quite a few different things. Um, and so it's really more than just enabling different types of people to work on the same AI project. It typically breaks down the model development lifecycle into its main phases, so the process of actually building a machine learning model. Um, and then it typically guides or it automates, or it gives full developer control over each one of these phases. Um, and of course, then for training and for implementation, this requires uh, quite a lot of computing power. Um, and so these AI service clouds typically provide the computing power needed to implement or to train these models or to retrain later on in its life cycle. Um, at some of these specific um, needs for governance, um, including model explainability um, and also bias mitigation, they typically offer modules that address those two areas. Um, and then on top of all of this, on top of this toolbox for designing and implementing your own model, you typically have access to pre-trained or kind of plug and play AI solutions for things like chatbots, for translation, for image classification, for these um, very, um, very general AI use cases, um, which many people need. So they come as a pre-trained option, which you could then um, customize to your needs. Okay, that sounds like an, an, an easy entree into a machine le uh, learning usage for organizations who are otherwise not yet well prepared to achieve that. So, so it's really something that, that offers um, a nice segue for, for non-ML savvy people into this area. Um, and 
as I am not an ML expert as well. You've mentioned these phases that they um, that these AI service clouds guide organizations through these phases. But how should I think of these phases? What are the main phases in this model development for machine learning? Mm -hmm. So you typically start with um, data preparation. And this actually is most of the work where you, people typically spend quite a lot of time because you're, first of all, determining what data you have, which could be used to train a model, but also which would be able to, um, would be your inputs for the model once it's an implementation. So this would, in many cases, must be labeled, um, must be clean, must be tested to make sure that there's, um, uh, that, that it is indeed a represent, representative sample of um, the data in the case that you would like to be assessing, but also that it doesn't skew um, the results towards um, any one decision or the other. In other words, that it's not biased towards your own business practices, um, known or unknown, um, or on a mathematical level as well, that it is indeed um, a representative sample. Um, so that's the first stage, data prep. Um, then you would go into model selection. So now there are tons of different algorithms and models to choose from which range from different types of machine learning. Now these are sometimes proprietary, which would come with the AI service cloud, um, but a lot are open source. And so determining a model which is uh, the most accurate, which delivers the type of results um, that you would like to see if there's a focus on accuracy or if there's um, a focus on uh, timeliness or different, um, different models, of course, can be specialized towards different KPIs. Um, this is exhausting and time-consuming to do a thorough search of each of these models and determine which one is the best. So this is often automated. Um, the terms which is chosen is typically auto ML, um, which then applies machine learning to select the um, model which would be most useful in your own machine learning case. So it's a bit of inception here. Um, going on, once the model has been selected, then you need to go through training and validation of that model. So um, uh, using your own data, which you've already prepped, um, to train the model to your own use case. Um, and then, of course, to validate that model to make sure it is delivering reliable results, results which are useful um, and accurate. Then there's implementation, ongoing monitoring to again make sure that there's no model drift, that your data and also your model um, stays consistent over time and continues to measure what you want it to measure. Um, and to be aware if the types of data inputs which are coming in have slightly changed, which would mean the results would slightly change as well. Um, and then there's retirement, make sure that the model and also its data is uh, put to rest when it needs to be. Um, and so if we take all of these phases together, um, this is typically called ML ops or machine learning operations. 
Okay, of course, this term is nicely coined um, related to DevOps in that area, of course, not about this, but this mm -hmm. time uh, looking into machine learning. And I think that's also quite an interesting aspect to look at as well, because um, when we say, when we talk about um, AI service clouds, there's this term service in there. And service means that this is something that is provided as not a one size fits all, but but a, a selected range of capabilities of services that are combined to fulfill a range um, of of tasks to to solve a, a different types of classes of of problems. Um, if I think back in my life, I have spent some months in making bespoke software development. And um, there usually is this, this discussion, uh, should I make or should I buy? And I think that this is also something that um, comes into play here as well. Where are these, um, these clouds, these service clouds well chosen to solve a problem? And where is bespoke point solution-like development of solutions um, the better way to go? Is there um, a, a rule of thumb to look at that? When should somebody look at these AI service clouds? Mm -hmm. So that's a really great point that you bring up, that these AI service clouds are meant to um, serve a wide variety of types of needs, not even simply needs, but types of needs. You know, if you're going to go into um, the AI vision direction, into language, um, into cognition, into um, prescriptive or um, uh, predictive analytics, um, AI service clouds can typically take you in any of those directions. Um, but on the other hand, there are point solutions, there are bespoke um, AI solutions which are out there provided by vendors that um, meet a specific need. So um, if you have a use case which is very clearly defined um, and the requirements are very stable, um, then looking at a point solution may be a good option. So um, for example, in healthcare solutions um, for detecting perhaps a malignant tumor in imaging, um, you know, these types of models and the situation in which it would be used are very tightly regulated and very, very specific um, and also typically consistent from um, implementation to implementation. So uh, this type of use case is probably better suited to a point solution to um, looking at a vendor who who uh, specifically designs a model for this exact use case. Um, but if you're looking more at streamlining internal processes of a business for having a bespoke crossover between different departments um, and for customizing a model with um, your specific data, with your specific environment, um, then an AI service cloud makes a little more sense, gives you a little more creative control um, to uh, to fit it to your environment. Um, and so that's not to say that AI service clouds are going to replace uh, point solutions um, or specific um, uh, solutions targeting a use case, um, but they're going to supplement the market and they're going to make customization much more feasible for those enterprises who have not previously um, invested in an AI development team. 
Right. And um, as we talk about this today, there is, of course, a reason for that. You did some extensive research around that topic, around that rather new market of service offerings. And that results in a, a market compass document here at Kuppinger Co. So that will be soon out or is out, I have to ask. Yes, it's out already. It was published um, earlier last week. And yeah, there are some interesting findings from that. As you said, it is a new market. And so um, the vendors which are in it are um, offering different approaches to um, defining what is an AI service cloud and what is that, um, how is that going to be most useful to organizations. Um, so a theme which came out is that communication with different stakeholders is really key. And so of course your stakeholders could be within your team um, or outside into the world to those end users or perhaps people who are affected by a decision um, which would be made by that model or with media, with, um, with external interest groups. Um, so one interesting um, development or feature which is out there um, are called model cards or some variation on that name. And what it is, is it's a, um, it's a summary of all the important information about a model which is in use. So it includes some of the boring details like what model it is exactly um, and which data sources were used for it. But um, especially for implementation, it, it also carries with it best practices. So again, if you imagine a model which is being used in a hospital by doctors on an emergency room floor, um, they're going to be able to have access to that model and say, okay, this is best used um, for, um, you know, this has best accuracy for patients under 18. Um, and so that's a piece of information wouldn't they, that they should keep in mind as they look at the decision um, provided by it. Um, so that is a really useful um, communication piece, which will probably continue to develop and improve over time. Um, another interesting um, finding from the Market Compass report is that the modular report um, the modular approach, so being able to dive into one specific um, point in the model development lifecycle um, means that you can hone in on explainability during, um, during the training and validation phases or take the bias mitigation and drill down on the data preparation stage. Um, or they can jump to a phase in this development um, life cycle where they don't have direct experience. Um, so that means if you have a team of data scientists, they're going to be great at the data prep stuff. They can do that all by hand, um, not by hand, but um, with their expertise, and then um, use the semi-automated parts of the AI service cloud for later stages like training and validation, um, things like that. If I think of what you described before when it comes to um, bringing together diverse teams, teams with people of different qualification, with different expertise, I think um, there's still a way to go for getting those people who are not the ML experts 
to get them up to speed, to give them training, to give them guidance, to give them best practices. So I think it's not only just a technology plus a piece of software. There is still some training, some some support, some some second level people required that guide organizations in their usage of this AI service cloud. Yes, that's absolutely true. So it's, we've got a long way to go, um, but the uh, AI service clouds are doing what they can, and, and they've started this process to, to bringing together diverse teams. Um, what some of them have as well is um, are different interfaces for different um, uh, participants in a project. And so if you happen to be um, a machine learning de uh, developer, an expert, you can be working in Jupyter Notebooks. You can be um, having all the control which you would normally have. Um, but then when you want the input from somebody else on your team who doesn't have that experience, um, they have access to the same project, but through a different interface, which is more drag and drop, um, which uh, sometimes has the support of wizards to guide you through what you should do step by step. Um, so that's an interesting feature, which does help to um, kind of build out the accessibility. Right, so we're looking at some kind of consumerization of machine learning, moving it away from this more academic, this highly technological point of view towards a more market relevant approach here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll see where it goes. You know, this, uh, this area is going through very rapid development. Um, and so if we come back to this topic at this time next year, it's probably going to be, look, um, be looking quite different. As this is a fast-moving market, um, it's great to have this document out already and to have this market covered with a first overview of this of this solutions. Um, thanks again, Annie, for telling me and for telling our audience more about this exciting development, bringing machine learning closer to the organizations. Any final recommendation, something that you would like to share with the audience um, when it comes to looking at this AI service cloud model? Um, is there a starting point apart, of course, from our market compass, which is on our website? Mm, I'd say be interested. Um, you know, there's a lot um, coming out in the news at the moment, um, different interesting projects which um, are being embarked on both in the private and the, in the public sector. So stay interested, feel inspired, um, and know that AI is becoming more and more accessible. Exactly, it's, close, it's getting closer to us, it's getting closer to the organization, and in the end it's getting closer um, to, to, the, to the end user, and it's more, more usable. Thanks again, Annie, for spending your time with me today, for telling me about that, and looking forward to seeing you um, again soon. Um, bye bye, Annie. Bye, Matthias. Thank you. Thank you.